Hello, this is Frank. And this is Bobby. And you're listening to the audio portion of our TV program, An Overcoming Life. This is a program of anointed teaching and overcoming testimonies. If you want to be blessed, then keep listening to this program once a week. Please let us know if you were inspired by the program. Our address is P.O. Box 53, Tallahassee, 32302. And our email is intercedingprayer at yahoo.com. Welcome, friends, to An Overcoming Life. This is Bobby. And this is Frank. And our guest. Yes. Linda. And she's going to bless you with a word that God gave her just for you. So stay tuned. Listen. Don't go to the kitchen. Just (laughs) don't want you to miss your blessing because this lady is a blessing and the message that she gives is going to bless you. Linda, thank you so much for being with us on An Overcoming Life. And you just take your liberty and share what God's given you. Thank you, Bobby. Well, the Lord gave me a message to share on the connected church. So that's what I'm going to be talking about. We are in the midst of a tremendous move of God's Spirit as we're being prepared for His final harvest. We're seeing the signs of it already. However, we need to realize this mighty move of God might not change every person. Every person might not be on board with it in every city, in every town. But in some cases, what could block the revival slash reformation could be uh, religious pride, for one thing, or a spirit of self-contentment where they are in Christianity, in the church they're in. Deception can cause a house to crumble even before we know we have cracks in the wall. And the Lord wants to be revealed in His church prior to coming for His church. But He's looking for that connected church, one that's fitly joined together, just as it tells us in the Bible in Ephesians 4.16. The Word says, The Lord makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So the whole body is healthy and growing full of love. One that will be a living example of His love toward one another. Matthew 12.25 says, Every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And that's true, even in marriages. We're the Lord's house. And in Matthew 12.13, Jesus said His house would be called a house of prayer. He's looking for a body who will join hand in hand, heart to heart, with our brothers and sisters in Christ, with other churches and other denominations, and who lay aside our differences and together lift up the name of Jesus. Well, before God moves in His manifested power, He moves a lot of times in what we call unseen holiness, and He's cleansing His house. He is cleansing us, preparing us. And like we said, who or what is His house? We are. It's not a building. We're His house. And then restoration, revival, reformation, miracles, and salvations can take place. He will deliver the unsaved. He will deliver the hurting, dying, and broken souls through the cleanness of our hands and our stepping out together, working as one body. 
When we as a unified body lift up the Lord together, he will draw all men unto himself, not to us, unto himself when we do our part. But the first step is we have to open the door of our heart daily to the Lord by first spending time with him. In Psalm 28, I'm sorry, in Psalm 16, verse 8, David said, I was always beholding the Lord in my presence. And in Acts 2.25, David said, Because the Lord is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. And we need to grab a hold of that. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 tells us, Jesus stands at the door and he knocks. And he desires to enter our lives completely. We have to unlock our heart door and swing it wide open to him. To be willing to listen to and act on what he tells us about ourselves, first of all. Never mind anybody else. We need to get this house cleansed. And we need to be sensitive to his voice for both his good pleasure as well as his correction. And otherwise, it's impossible to do his will the way he wants it completed. And what we need to do is ask ourselves, is the door to my heart wide open to him? Or is it just open in a few areas, just in the areas I'm comfortable with? Well, God sees everything. He knows everything anyway. So we might as well throw the door of our heart open all the way and invite him in, right? So you can tell him right now, Lord, I want to see you and I want to know you in all your fullness in Jesus' name. And he'll show you the areas of your heart where you may have missed it and fallen short only because he loves us like a good father, which he is. He's the best father we'll ever have. So we don't have to be afraid of being transparent, for goodness sakes. He's our daddy who loves us. And it actually brings such a release and such a freedom. And I realized the other night I was watching a Pure Flix movie. It was a lot about forgiveness. It was a beautiful movie. And it brought to the surface that I had this hidden area in my heart I didn't even realize where I had totally not released it to the Lord. I had been hurt years ago, but I just accepted it as the way it had to be. And I kept it stored away like a valiant soldier might do in the midst of a huge battle. And when I realized the other night that I needed to forgive the person instantly, I let it go. I gave it to God and I felt such a huge burden just drop and leave. Mm -hmm. And it does bring such freedom. So invite God in to take charge and he will. And we also need to take up our cross daily and follow Jesus' example as he tells us through Paul in Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Lay aside every weight and the sin of this flesh, which so easily besets us, and let us run with patience the race set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, um, endured the cross. He had a joy of knowing what was going to be on the other side of that cross, and it delighted him, but he despised the shame. 
And he sat down now at the right hand of the throne of God, but considered Jesus, who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, or you'll be weary and faint in your own minds. And we have to be willing to give the Lord what we love the most sometimes and trust him. It might be family members. We have to trust him with our children, our grandchildren, our spouses. It could be who we think are good friends. Sometimes we have to release them and let them go to where God wants them to be. It might be surrendering what we think are our roles in the church where we are in order to be integrated into a larger corporate body of believers so that we can accomplish, once again, God's work on this earth, not our supposed jobs and work. But God is wanting us to empty ourselves of ourselves so that he can pour out and fill us up to be used for other people. You know, Jesus' greatest ministry wasn't when the crowds were following him, when they were laying the palms down in front of him, when he rode in on the donkey, or when he was healing the sick. That wasn't his greatest ministry. It was when he was willingly yielding himself up and hanging alone on that cross to pay the price for our sins. His servanthood and obedience are still absolutely priceless to this very day. It was a lonely time for him. It was shameful. It was humiliating. And it was uncomfortable beyond words. But what glory and what splendor followed that obedience. Unspeakable joy. He never even uttered one complaint. He never complained about his suffering. His last recorded prayer in John chapter 17 was that we, his church, would become one. It was still his greatest desire for today. It is still his greatest desire right now. And until we become that totally connected church that operates as one in him, the world won't really believe that God sent him because it's the love of God in us believers, the body of Christ. That's what will touch and impact the world for Jesus. The very reason that Tallahassee and our nation and our state have been out of order up until now is because the church has been out of order. James 3, 16 tells us that where there's envy and strife, there's disorder, there's chaos, confusion, and every evil work. And we need to get our focus back on his purpose, his plan for our city, for our nation, for our state. And there's no room for jealousy or competition or pride or differences. Those need to be put aside and we need to come together in love, corporately as one connected church of the true body of believers. We need to do this by emptying ourselves, as I said, of ourselves and all our own personal desires, our plans. And so then he can fill us with himself, with his desires, with his purposes and plans. Does that mean you'll never enjoy special times again? No. He'll freely bless you and your family when you start lining up with what he wants. But we also need to remember God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't have any one person more important in the body of Christ than anyone else. Absolutely not. 
Every person has a name, every name has a story, and every individual story is important to God. I know mine was. I never thought mine would be, but I was amazed when he saved me. You're important. You're special to the Lord. You need to know that. And he needs each one of us to line up with what he wants us to do so that he can complete his work on this earth. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to give you a picture of the church. The church is compared to this. In verse 12, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot said, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear were to say, I'm not part of the body because I'm an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything, for goodness sakes? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where He wants it, just where He wants us. How strange a body would it be if it only had one part? Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. And the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts that we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that shouldn't be seen. While the more honorable parts don't require this special care, God has put the body together such with such extra honor and care given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes our harmony among the members so that all members care for one another. And if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad with it. All of you together are God's body, Christ's body. Each one of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First, our apostles. Second, our prophets. Third, our teachers. And then those who do miracles. Those who have the gift of healing. Those who can help others. Those who have the gift of leadership. Those who speak in unknown languages or tongues, we call them. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages or tongues? Of course not, so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. Let me show you a way of life that's best of all. Now that's Paul 
talking here. And he goes right from that chapter into the love chapter. And it starts with verse 1 in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. If I could speak all the languages of the earth and the languages of angels, but I didn't love one another, I would just be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to feed the poor or even sacrifice my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. But I wouldn't recommend boasting either. And love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. See, it tells you don't boast. And it's not rude either. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. It doesn't rejoice about injustice. But it rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful, and love endures through every circumstance. Now prophecy, speaking in tongues, special knowledge will become useless eventually, but love lasts forever. Our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, which a lot of us did. And when I grew up, I hopefully put away childish things. And now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. And all I know now is partial and incomplete. And then I know everything. I will be complete just as God now knows me completely. But three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And uh, what uh, translations were those? That was New Living Translation, New Living. NLT. Oh, yes. Never heard of <clears throat> we, We're not, like some of us think, we're not getting ready for a date with God. We're preparing for a wedding. We're a bride. We're his bride. And he gave me a vision once of the bride dressed, his bride dressed, looking in the mirror at her beautiful veil, her beautiful gown, her train, everything that she had. And she was admiring herself. But guess what? She forgot the time. She was almost late to the wedding. She forgot what time it was. So we need to keep our focus on the bridegroom. He's coming soon. And we're preparing for that wedding. We must know and act on His desire for us to be one with Him. How could we ever expect the world to listen to us preach about God's love if we don't exercise that love, if we don't walk in that love with our concern for other people, those around us, everywhere we are? We need to stop and take the time to call and pray, talk to someone who might not have been to church, let them know that you miss them. You can share the message that your pastor gave and just tell them, we're sorry we didn't see you, but we're looking forward to the next time we get to see with 
see you and if there's anything I can do for you, just tell me what it is and be available, be ready to help. We truly need to humble ourselves and work with other ch churches and Christians in our neighborhood, in our cities, in our state. God isn't raising up so-called ministries. He's raising up passionate servants. Yes. And I like to say like Bobby and Frank Agee, I've known them almost 30 years now, and they have totally been in service to other people sharing in the prison ministry, sharing on a radio broadcast for the elderly, and sharing on this broadcast. They are passionate servants for the Lord. They give all they have. And it's a blessing to the body of Christ. And those who are willing to roll up their sleeves and go out and do what it takes to conform to the image of Christ, you can bless other people all across the world, there's men and women who are being fitted together supernaturally in other nations, in other states. It's just so beautiful what's happening. Becoming that living church, which is a united, connected church, doing the Lord's work. And it's all built upon God's agape, unconditional love and corporate prayer. But our Father's goal is not merely to just bless us. And he does. It's to transform us into the image of his dear son, Jesus Christ. And he wants to turn our city, our state, and our nation back to God. Churches first have to repent. They have to turn away from their independence, from their insecurities. A lot of that is insecurity and spiritual pride that isolates them from each other. There are so many hurting people waiting for the manifestation, as Romans 8 talks about, of the true sons and daughters of God. The Lord grieves at the lonely elderly people, at widows and orphans, and sees husbands and wives allowing pride and offenses to rip apart their marriages. But the worst horror of all that is known to mankind is when one unsaved soul experiences death without a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and they face an eternity of hell. Yes. Years ago he gave me a vision of that, what it would be like, and you would not even want your worst enemy to experience that torment. It would be horrible. And we as a church are called to be a witness everywhere we are, whether it's at work, on the job, or shopping at a store, or even waiting in the doctor's office. I remember being in the emergency room after an accident and I was taken there by ambulance and I was pretty hurt. But I was very aware of people in the room there that were waiting to be seen in the emergency room. And I was able to pray for four people while I was flat on my back on a stretcher with a collar around my neck and I was strapped to the stretcher. We can pray, we can extend a hand when we're available, when we're needed, if we allow ourselves to be used by God. God has awesome plans for Tallahassee, Florida, for the state of Florida, and the United States of America. But first, we have to become a unified house of prayer. We have to become a church-connected community 
who kneels humbly before a holy God. Divine direction for the church results from that corporate prayer. And the Lord is busy building his house with a brokenness through hearts of repentance and a holy fear and reverence for the Lord. His wisdom can take an untrained, unknown person who makes themselves available and willing to do God's work. And he'll give them a strategy to take back their city. But it takes all of us working together corporately to accomplish it. And through our obedient unity, Jesus himself will be glorified and revealed in each one of us. And we need to always, always remember, it's not our project. It's God's ministry. One common goal, to serve him and to show Jesus to the world. So let's just pray. Father God, you deserve our whole heart. Forgive us for being complacent, so busy with the things of the world, our own desires and ambitions. Help us to continually seek your face, Lord, rather than trusting in our own strength. We will be aware of the snare of flattery and even well-intended praise for those who glory in their own thoughts and pursue the path of human reason will be like a desert. Lord, by your spirit of grace and the help of your Holy Spirit, we'll draw from your water of life and keep our channel straight and clear. We'll be like a fountain flowing forth whose streams shall not fail. For you, Lord, dwell in the midst of us and we commit ourselves each one of us, to your plans and purposes. We commit to become your true church, worthy to carry your power and love and grace to a hurting, dying world. So, Lord, we ask you to open our eyes to our true identity in you, and we break off every spirit of apathy and lethargy and rejection in Jesus' name. We're preparing now, and we trust you, Lord, ahead of time for an unprecedented harvest of souls coming into the kingdom of God. And we give you all the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' mighty name, for you alone are worthy, Lord. Amen. 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 Oh, that was good, Linda. That wow, was... Yes. And you touched on some points that uh, have been rolling around in me for years and years now. And, and one of them being, of course, the unity of the body of Christ. Yes. And uh, I'm in my 70s, and I, I started out in a, a Methodist church down in Tampa. And um, I, I've just seen over the years, I've seen so much fracturing. Yes. You know, there's a, there's a church building on this corner, and one on this corner, and one on this corner, and one on that corner. Right. And on Sunday morning, when the doors open, they all flow out in different directions. Right. There's no coming together. There's no unity. Right. Not the kind of unity that the Lord is talking about. Yes. Because... And it's just so sad. Yes. Just, and they're just not recognizing that we are the church. Yes. Right. We are the church. There's nothing to do with brick and mortar. No, no, no. It's not at bodies. all. <laughs> yes. And we have to line up with His plan. Amen. That's what will succeed. When the church starts showing the love of Christ more, mm -hmm. yes, then the churches will fill up more. Yes, then yes. there'll be a revival. Yes, but it starts with us. It does with every individual. Amen. So I'm inviting you to reach out to someone in love this week. Do something out of the ordinary for someone 
even if it's just a phone call or some cookies you've made or something. Yes. But reach out in love. Yes. And God will bless you back. Well, our time is up, folks. This is Bobby. And Frank. And Linda. Mm -hmm. Saying God loves you, my friend. Yes, you. Amen. And so do we. See you next week. This program was produced by the Overcomers Ministry, a nonprofit corporation. We have a team of loving, caring prayer warriors that will intercede over your request, pray, and email you back. Contact us at intercedingprayer at yahoo.com. This is Frank. And this is Bobby. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening. listening.